Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Uh, Take your Bible out and go to 1 Samuel 11, and we'll tune right into this. You ever heard the phrase, some things are just better together? You ever heard that? Uh, Man, we've all heard that. Some things are just better together. Uh, Maybe you might be referencing a couple. Oh, that couple, they're just just better together. Uh, Maybe you're referencing uh, something I would reference, chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, it's just better together. Uh, I couldn't think of any other examples except for chocolate and peanut butter. Uh, You know what? You go down the line, I asked Hannah, I was like, what are some things of better together? Um, Some people would say peanut butter and jelly is better together. Peanut butter with... Anything, better together. Uh, You can think about uh, different music. Maybe you have uh, people who play instruments. You think a couple instruments that go better together. Hannah said that her and the beach go better together. Uh, There's a lot of those comments, right? A lot of those things that we know, they go better together. Well, as we come to our time in the Word of God this morning in 1 Samuel chapter number 11, we're going to realize that one of the things that's better together is God's people. God's people are better together, and uh, it's amazing to me that this is the first Sunday. I plan out these messages months before, but this is the Sunday we're planning to be back, and uh, you know what? We're going to realize today that God's people are better together, and we're going to see that in 1 Samuel chapter number 11. Uh, Of course, if you were to uh, go back uh, through our series, you'll remember that we've been following the lives of the people of Israel. Uh, These are the people of God. These are those who are supposed to have a relationship with God. Uh, These are the people who are supposed to be magnifying the Lord, lifting him up. And what we've discovered is that they had a very inconsistent relationship with God. And, And no doubt if you've been at our church for any length of time, uh, whenever we talk about Israel, we talk about their topsy-turvy relationship. Man, just up and down. Love the Lord, follow the Lord, don't love him, don't follow him. That's just kind of uh, uh, all-encompassing of their relationship with the Lord. That was a great explanation. Very inconsistent. That's what it is. Well, the book of Samuel, Samuel comes at a time at the end of Judges. So how many of you remember our Judges series? Remember those, those of you that were here? Our uh, series, Relentless, is what we called it, going through the book of Judges. And Samuel falls right to the end of the book of Judges. Samuel would actually be the last of the judge, last of the judges. And what we saw take place a couple of weeks ago was the children of Israel, the people of God, no longer wanting the leadership of the judge and no longer wanting the leadership of God. Instead, rejecting that and saying, give us a king so that we can be like other nations. Well, they had said that, give us a king, and Samuel, he knew this isn't the right timing. If you were with us last week online, then you'll recall that the timing was supposed to be on God's timing, God's terms. Deuteronomy 16 and 17, God had actually lined out, hey, one day I will give you a king, and then I'll give you the king of kings through that line. Someday, God knew that. God was going to do that. But the children of Israel, they got ahead of God. And what we discovered and looked at last week is the simple truth that uh, as they got ahead of God making that decision, give us a king, What we looked at is the fact that God, he warns them about the decision. They don't care about the decision. They're like, we don't care. Give us a king anyway. But what's amazing, and I hope you caught this if you were with us last week, what's amazing is God didn't give up on them. Man, I don't know about you, but if somebody had that rebellious relationship towards my leadership, I'm going to hit a point where I'm just like, I'm done. Like, I I don't want to deal with that. But that's not what the Lord did. 
No, instead, the Lord, he offered strength to them. He offered help to them. And we saw a few things that God does when we get ahead of him. Because every one of us can get ahead of God, can't we? Man, we get ahead of him. We talked about our finances. We get ahead of him in relationships and struggles. We get ahead of him in a lot of our decision making. And a lot of us, we might say, yeah, how dare Israel get ahead of God? But we need to realize that we too often can get ahead of God. But I'm so thankful today to know that when we get ahead of God, that God, he doesn't give up on us. What does he do? Well, we saw last week, he still directs. You know what they did? They said, we want a king. God said, okay, I know you want a king. You're rejecting my leadership, but I'll still direct you to the right person. And so he directed them to Saul. Directed him to Saul, this man who was humble, this man who had a heart for God, this man who wanted to honor God. God didn't give up on his people. He still directed his people to the right man for the job. And if you go do the research, Saul really was the right man for the job. At the beginning of his leadership, we're going to see the end at the end of our series, uh, but the beginning of Saul's leadership, we're going to see his mistake next week or week after next. Man, the beginning of Saul's leadership, he was a good leader. He wanted to lead. He was concerned about the people. And so God said, I'll direct you. Even though you got ahead of me, I'll direct you. The other thing I realize is that God, when we get ahead of him, you know what else he does? He still still, uh, speaks to us. He still speaks to us. You ever had somebody give you the cold shoulder? Some of you are looking at your spouse. That's a great thing about being back together. I can like have interaction. Otherwise, I'm just like at home, I hear you. You're looking at your spouse right now. Um, You know what? All of us, we've been given that cold shoulder, maybe from a friend, maybe from a loved one, maybe from a coworker. Man, we don't like that. I'm so thankful God doesn't give us a cold shoulder. Those times when we get ahead of him, God doesn't go, talk to the hand. No, God says, all right, I'll I'll still speak to you. Oh, oh, our, our relationship isn't the same that it could have been. Our fellowship is not the same, but I will still speak into your life. And he did that with the children of Israel through Samuel. He still spoke into their lives. And then the last thing we saw last week is that he still builds. Man, God built people around Saul to help him be successful. God built, built people around, uh, and, and the purpose was not just for Saul, the purpose was for Israel. Hey, I want you all to know that I'm not giving up on you. I want what's best for you. I'll speak into your life, I'll direct your life, and I will still build your life. And man, I hope that you're thankful for the times that God doesn't give up on you. Well, the Lord, he did those things in the lives of the people of Israel. He directed them to Saul. He spoke that truth in their life. He built people around them. And as, as we come back into our story this morning, we find ourselves really in a great place in Israel's storyline. We find ourselves in a great portion of scripture where I believe the children of Israel are desiring once again to walk with God. They realize kind of some of the mistakes they've made. Saul and Samuel have helped kind of lead the people. And we're gonna see this morning, it's a time when they begin to realize that the Lord's still with them, the Lord's concerned with them. And uh, I believe that what the devil had actually done is the devil had come in and he had tried to divide and conquer Israel and distract them from the fact that they are better together. And I think that's what the devil does, and we're gonna see this today in our passage, that what the devil likes to do is he likes to isolate and attack. That's what he likes to do. He likes to get you and I to be separated from God's people, not just in gathering, but in unity. God, the, the devil desires to separate that. Why? Because he knows what God can do when God's people are walking together with each other 
and with the Lord. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is this idea of being better together. I want you to take your Bible and let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 11. And again, you can remain seated. We're going to read the whole chapter and we're going to look at this and watch God bring some unity back to the children of Israel and help them see that they're better together. 1 Samuel chapter 11 and verse number one, it says this, then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition will I make a covenant with you that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite. Hey, give us seven days to choose that we may send messengers into all the coast of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messenger to Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the, uh, after the herd out of the fields and said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul, verse 6, the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was greatly kindled. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh, forth, cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people. And they came out with one consent. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall ye say unto the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow, by that time the sun be hot, ye shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you. To the, they said this to the Ammonites, and ye shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. And it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies. And they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered so that two of them were not left together. And the people said unto Samuel, who is he that said shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. And Saul said, there shall not a man be put to death this day, for today the Lord hath wrought, hath wrought salvation in Israel. Then said Samuel to the people, come and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal. And there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And I love 1 Samuel chapter 11. And one of the reasons I love it is because if you were to go, we don't have time to do all of the history and all the study, but if you were to go and study Israel's history, what you would find is what I said a moment ago, the devil coming in to kind of divide and conquer. Here's what would happen. The children of Israel, this is just a quick overview, okay? Children of Israel, they came into the promised land. God had set up a lot of things for them to have a walk and a relationship with him and be used as one nation. But what got in is during the time of the judges and even before that, we begin to see infighting. We begin to see 
this group, the, you know, the tribe of Gad versus Manasseh. We begin to see Benjamin fighting against, uh, um, I can't think of another one, uh, other, other tribes. You can go through that. My brain just went blank. Uh, but we have all these tribes kind of infighting, going against each other. I believe 1 Samuel chapter number 11 is the Lord bringing the people back to, hey, you have no idea what I can conquer through you when you're working together. And so today we're going to look at this idea that God's people are better together. Let's pray, and then we'll get in the word of God. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity, Father, that we have to come back together. And Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you would continue uh, to provide strength during this time. Uh, Lord, provide wisdom to our leaders. Uh, but Father, we specifically want to pray right now for our service this morning. I pray for those here and for those watching online. I pray, Lord, that every single one of us would hear from you. I pray that every single one of us would listen with a heart to hear your word. God, I pray today that if there's someone here or maybe someone online that does not know you as their savior, I pray, Father, that you would help them today to realize your love for them and, Father, to realize that you desire for them to have a relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in our lives. Bless this time. Speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you come to 1 Samuel chapter number 11, I'm just going to kind of lay the groundwork of the story and what's taking place, and then we'll get some thoughts about being better together. Of course, we come to the passage. We find the, uh, the people of the Ammonites. They're led by Nahash. You can see that verse number one. It says, then Nahash the Ammonite came up against those at Jabesh Gilead. Now, if you can see it on the screen or there on your TV uh, at home or your monitor at home, you can see that little red line there. It says Jabesh Gilead. You kind of really can't read that, but if you look right Right there, right in the kind of top center, you can see Jabesh Gilead. It would be on the east side of the Jordan River. Now, <clears throat> oh, this is different. Okay, when the children of Israel, when they came into the land, this is really awkward teaching to people and the camera. It's just, I'm going to have to get used to it, okay? Because uh, I can't move. I can stay here. Uh, when you look at the children of Israel, when they landed in different places and got their inheritance, go all the way back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy and see that being broken up, the children of Gad, all right, Gad, the tribe of Gad, would be one of the tribes that would go on the east side of the Jordan River. Well, Jabesh Gilead is actually in the area of Gad. And so what happened is the Ammonites, they come up against the tribe of Gad, against Jabesh Gilead, against the nation there, which would just kind of be a group of people. Well, the men of Jabesh Gilead, they're, they're kind of kind of different in their, their philosophy because they say to Nahash, to the Ammonite, hey, we'll serve you, but give us seven days to see if we can get help. That's, that's their thought. It's not we'll fight. It's we know, we're, we know we're too weak to fight against you, so give us seven days to see if we can get some backup, and then, if not, then we'll serve you. And the Ammonites say, okay, well, if you're going to serve us, here's what's going to happen. You're going to come out on that seventh day and let us take out all of your right eyes. We're going we're to take your eye out. And what's interesting is the people of Jabesh Gilead, they're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I don't know about you, but I'm not settling for that. I'm like, no, you can like pluck an eyelash or something, but you're not taking my eye out. Like, we're not doing that. And this is what they did. They come up with this plan. And so we see them then, they begin to reach out. They reach out to other people. They, they send letters. They send word to the other tribes. Hey, is anybody gonna help us? Well, what you find taking place in the story is you find Saul. 
Saul, he's all the way down in Gibeah. He's all the way down by Jerusalem. So if you're looking at the map, he's all the way uh, on that far southwest corner. That's where, that's where Saul would be. He's, he's miles away. He gets word. That he comes out of the field. He, all the people in the town, his town of, of Gibeah, all the people there, they're, they're weeping. There, there's a lot of emotion taking place. And Saul comes out and he's like, hey, what's the deal? What's going on? They say, haven't you heard? Jabesh Gilead is going against the Ammonites and the Ammonites are gonna come in and they're gonna conquer Jabesh Gilead. You see, the people of Gibeah, they had already written off the people of Jabesh Gilead. Oh man, we're mourning the loss. We're mourning the loss of the Am- We're mourning that loss. We're not going, the, the, the minds, their mindset at this point was not let's go up and fight. But what does Saul do? Well, verse six says the spirit of the Lord comes on Saul. And Saul, verse number seven, he takes oxen and slices them up and sends pieces of meat to all the tribes. And he's like, hey, if you don't come fight, this is gonna happen. Now, just so you know, we'll see it in a moment. This wasn't Saul saying, if you don't come, I'm coming against you. This was Saul saying, you need to understand that the Ammonites are coming against Jabesh Gilead. Who do you think they're going to next? Hey, if they're coming against them, they're coming against you. So you better mount up, let's go. And so the people, a fear fell on them. Man, the fear of God fell on them. Not a fear of God. Oh, we're so much afraid, but oh man, God's spirit coming upon them. Realizing, all right, this is a serious matter. And so what do the people do? They mount up. 330,000 of them. 300 from the tribes of Israel and 30,000 from Judah. And what do they come? Man, they come up and Jabesh Gilead says to the Ammonites, okay, we'll come out tomorrow. And 330,000 come out the next day. And completely defeat the Ammonites, leaving it, did you pay attention when we were reading through it? Leaving it to where not one was standing against another. That means two Ammonites weren't found together. Man, that's an amazing victory. But what I want us to see this morning is the fact that the reason that happened was because God's people are better together. And so I want you to see this morning as we go through this, a, a few thoughts. I want you to notice today and uh, there's some verses I'm gonna skip past, but when you and I look and realize that God's people are better together, I want us to see why. I want you to see, first of all today, that God's people are better together because there is a common enemy. I want you to see that God's people are better, better together because there's a common enemy. If you were to go to our passage, the enemy was the Ammonites. The Ammonites, they are coming directly against Jabesh Gilead. So some might say, oh, uh, well, the Ammonites, they're only against Gad. No, 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 no. They were a common enemy for all of the people of Israel. If you were to actually do the research, and I did, uh, if you were to go back to Deuteronomy, you would find all the way back uh, in the book of Deuteronomy time and time again, but it dates all the way to Numbers 21. Numbers 21, when the children of Israel were first coming into the promised land, uh, or not even coming into the promised land, when the children of Israel were coming up to the promised land with Moses, they, of course, they wouldn't come in for years later. But do you know who one of their enemies was? The Ammonites. Not even up there, in a totally different place, totally different region, the Ammonites were against them. And so we can find the Ammonites as an enemy of God's people from Numbers all the way through Deuteronomy, all the way through Joshua, and all the way through Judges, time and time and time again, we find the Ammonites coming up against Jabesh Gilead. So this wasn't just a one-time instance where the people of Ammon were like, hey, let's, uh, let's go against Jabesh Gilead. No, this was a time these were enemies of the people of God, not just Jabesh Gilead, not just Gad, but people of the enemies of God. 
or excuse me, enemies of the people of God. That's who these were. If, and the truth is that if Jabesh Gilead was lost, do you know what was next? What was next was the next town over. And so Saul sends out word. Hey, if you don't come out, this oxen being cut up, this is what's gonna happen. Our land, our people, our livestock, we are all under attack. You may think that the attack isn't against you, that it's against Jabesh Gilead, but it's against all of us. And so I see the people better together. Why? Because they had a common enemy. But I want you to understand, it was wise of them to come together because the Ammonites, yes, they were a common enemy for Israel. But I want you to understand that still the truth rings out today, that God's people are better together when God's people are united together in the same spirit with the same cause and the same motives. God's people are better together. Why? Because we have a common enemy. We have a common enemy. Who's our common enemy? Well, we know is the devil, right? We know the word of God, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Listen, although the Ammonites were attacking Jabesh Gilead, it was an enemy that all of them were facing. And the truth is that if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, then you have the same enemy that every other believer has. Even believers who may not, uh, who may, who, whom you may not know. The, the devil is the enemy of believers in Moses Lake, but he's also the enemy of believers in Washington, D.C., and believers in Cuba, and believers in North Korea, and believers, man, the devil is the enemy of, all, well, no, it's this person, well, it's this person, no, 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 the devil's behind it all, isn't he? And here's the truth, just because an enemy, just because the enemy may not be attacking you right now, doesn't mean the enemy is not on attack. Just because you in your life may not be feeling like there's a battle raging doesn't mean some other believer isn't facing attack. And if he gets them to fall down, who's he coming after next? If Jabesh Gilead fell, who's going down next? Man, I see the people, the people of God are better together when we recognize that we have a common enemy. You see, the devil's out to get each and every believer. He's, he's out to strike any weak Christian. That's why it's so healthy to be around the people of God. I'll tell you one of my biggest concerns, for those here and those watching online, one of my biggest concerns the last six weeks has been the spiritual health of Moses Lake Baptist Church family. Why? Because I know what the devil can do when people get isolated. He begins to help people listen to this internet guy and that radio guy and this coworker and that coworker and they're not finding the fellowship of other believers. And you know what the devil's doing? He's isolating and attacking. Man, God's people are better together. Better together, why? Common enemy. We have a common enemy. Why is it, you think, why is it that the devil fights you being in good fellowship with other believers? It's because he knows that if he can get you isolated, man, he's gonna win. Because you and I, we can't stand alone. Man, we need each other and we need the Lord. We need the Lord most of all, but we need each other secondly. And so I want us to see this morning, the people of God, they're better together. Why? Because we have a common enemy. Notice secondly today, the people of God are better together because there's a common cause. The people of God are better together because there is a common cause. Look with me, if you will. As we read through this account, there's a few verses that kind of stand out to me. One of those verses is verse number six. It's an interesting verse because of the wording. Here's what it says. And the Spirit of God 
came upon Saul when he heard those, thing, heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. As soon as Saul heard the news of what was taking place, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him. Now, we need to know a couple of things just to kind of help us understand verbiage and what, what the wording is here. In the Old Testament, we read more often than not that the Spirit of God came upon people. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God indwells people. All right, so the Spirit of God, uh, he claims in, in Hebrews, stating an Old Testament truth, but the Old Testament truth that's true for a believer in the New Testament, if the, the statement where he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, that once a person is saved, the Spirit of God is not going to come in and go out and come in and go out and come in and go out and come in and go out. No, we believe the Word of God teaching just that when you get saved, God moves into your life. Now, you choose to surrender to him or not, you choose to walk with the Lord or not, but the Spirit of God comes into us. In the Old Testament, that's not how the Lord worked. In the Old Testament, we see, you read phrases like this, the Spirit of God came upon somebody. And so now, now Saul is being directed by the Lord. Uh, not that he wasn't a follower of God, but that's just how the Lord moved. You say, Pastor, I don't understand that. I don't understand it very much either. You and I both can ask the Lord when we get to heaven uh, what he meant by all of that, okay? Uh, but when you look at this, the Spirit of God comes upon Saul. But notice what it says next. It says that his anger was kindled greatly. That's, that's an interesting phrase. His anger was kindled greatly. You know what this means? This means that he had a zeal for the Lord that welled up inside of him. It doesn't mean that he was just mad and throwing things and having a temper tantrum. No, that phrase, anger was kindled greatly, it means a great zealous, uh, a great zeal came upon him. And gave him motive, gave him direction. So you know what happened? Man, he begins walking with God. God's directing Saul's mind. And Saul says, all right, there's a cause. Man, there's something we've got to fight for. If you were to go back, and we don't have, uh, again, the time to look at it. But if you were to go back against verse number uh, two, when the Ammonites came against the children of Israel, and they said, we're going to gouge out all your right eyes. They said, we're going to do that to the detriment of all of Israel. Look at verse number um, uh, go to verse, yeah, verse number two. It says, and we're gonna lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. Hey, Ammonites said to Jabesh Gilead, when we come against you, this will be something that will be a reproach to everybody. So not only was it a common enemy, but it was a common cause. What was the cause? Well, if Jabesh Gilead went down, the testimony of God went down. If the testimony of God was going down, it was affecting everybody. And you see, what we need to understand is the reputation of God was at stake. The reputation of the power of God working was at stake. And God's people were now being challenged. Hey, do you see that there's a cause bigger than you? Saul comes up. Hey, do you see that there's a cause bigger than you? And when the people came together, they were coming together as the people of God fighting for the name of God and for the cause of God. And again, when we read that the fear of the Lord came upon them, it's not them. Uh, verse number seven, it says the fear of God fell on them at the end of that. Uh, it's not them saying, oh no, we're really scared of what God is going to do. No, they were, it was God saying, hey, you need to be afraid of what is taking place. The word fell, it means to be cast down or cast off uh, and accepted. Um, it would be just like if, if Leo were to come up here and he doesn't need to, but if I were to have uh, this iPad and I just kind of toss it off to him, I would be casting it off. I would be sending it to him. And I don't know if I just did that, but there it goes. Uh, I, I would be sending that to him and then he would catch it. That's that word fell in this passage. 
So what happened is the, the fear of God, God sent a fear upon these people to say, hey, there is more at stake than what you think is at stake right now. Now, you say, Pastor, well, how does that maybe apply to us? Well, can I help us understand today that God's people are better together because we too have a common cause? You see, unity among God's people is healthy because we are fighting the same enemy and we're fighting the same cause. Did you know that if a Christian gets isolated and attacked and falls away from God, it doesn't just affect them? If you are the one who steps away and gets away from God, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody. But you know who it affects most of all? It affects the Lord. It affects his name. It affects his cause. You see, it's so important that you and I understand that unity among the people of the Lord is important because it's not just about a single believer. Togetherness like this, gathering together in an assembly, it's important for the people of God. Why? It's not just about one person. That's why there's so many churches kind of uh, uh, in, a, in an awkward place. Troy and I were talking this morning, man, it's so many believers in that awkward place. Well, what do I do? The government says this, and this is going on, and that's going on. But that's why we find so many believers saying, hey, we need church. It's essential. It may not be essential for you because you don't go, but it's essential for me. Why? Because I need God's people. I need God's people around me. I need God's people helping me. Why? Because the name of God is at stake. Man, the cause of Christ is at stake. I look this morning and I see that we have a great cause. Uh, we need to have a great cause to be unified together in worship and unified in spirit. Why? Because the name of the Lord is our cause. His name is at stake. The people of God, they're better together. Why? Because there's a common enemy. Why else? Because there's a common cause. But I want us, you know, thirdly, notice thirdly today that the people of God are better together because there's a common strength. There's a common strength. After Saul sends out word and uh, the Lord allows the people to see that need and to see kind of through his lens, you know what you read taking place? You read that there was 330,000 people that come out. That's a large group of people, isn't it? Man, 330,000. I've been watching, uh, of course, uh, you know, you pay attention to the news and different protests and all that. Uh, I saw one on Friday when uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor there in California, declared the closure of Huntington Beach. And, uh, and I watched it. Anybody else see that, the protest at Huntington Beach? There was thousands of people that were like, all right, we're going to protest the beach. And they like protest this uh, beach closure. And so they went out and the helicopters, you know, zooming in on just a few people. But after a few minutes, it zooms out. And I'm, I mean, for blocks, just people as far as you could see. You know what I'm looking at? I'm thinking, all right, that's a good group. Can you imagine seeing 330,000 like that? That's amazing. And so what does God do? Well, God instructs Saul. Saul divides him up. First Samuel 11, 11, when it was so, was an, and, and it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, probably 110,000 in each company. And they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered so that two of them were not left together. I don't know about you, but I love the story. I love the story. And I hope if you're at home that you're looking at this, uh, like two people weren't standing together. Now, we don't know. Does this mean that they were 10 or 15 yards apart? I don't think it even means that. I think that they weren't even in the same general vicinity as each other. 
Like there was literally an annihilation of what took place here. God's enemy, God's enemies were being defeated. Why? Because the people of God came together and you know what? There is a common strength when God's people gather together. There's a common strength when God's people come together. Uh, when the story first opens up, Jabesh Gilead, think about it. When the Ammonites come against Jabesh Gilead, what's Jabesh Gilead's response? Um, we'll be your servant. Can we gouge out your right eyes? Seven days, yes. Yeah, seven days. But then, you know, you find, you find that the entire nation comes up and Jabesh Gilead, you know what they say now? Okay, yeah, we'll come out tomorrow. Fingers crossed behind the back. We can't wait to see your response. And they show up the next day with 330,000. This reminds me of like that kid that's bullied at school. You know, a little kid at bullied at school and the bullies keep coming up to him every day, every day, every day. He says, I'll give you my lunch money tomorrow. Don't have any, I'll bring it tomorrow, I'll bring it tomorrow. Finally, they say, you, listen, tomorrow you bring us your lunch money. Tomorrow's Friday, you better bring it or else. And that little boy, he goes and he finds his older brother and gets his older brother and he goes back to that friends and the next morning at school, he's like, all right, today at lunchtime, I'll have your money. And the next day, later that day at lunchtime, he goes up and he's like, um, here, here's your money, but first... He turns and there's his big brother saying, hey, you ready to mess with? And those, what do those little bullies do? And they run away. It's the same story taking place here. Little bully Ammon. Ammonites coming up against Jabesh Gilead. Jabesh Gilead, oh, we're sorry, we're scared, we're gonna help. Okay. The next day, the next few, you know, seven days later, 330,000 of them come out. Do you think Jabesh Gilead just gained confidence because they were super mighty men? No. They gained confidence, why? Because there is strength, in numbers. There's strength in numbers. You look at this, and we can definitely be able to see this comparing with us as a believer. God's people being better together. Why? Because there, are, there is strength in numbers. When God's people come together, it's strengthening. It's definitely seen, I think, in coming together today. I, I remember uh, Dustin was in the back and, and just walked up to him and said, hey, man, how are you? He said, oh, I mean, this is like five minutes before we start. Just walked in. How are you? So, oh, this is awesome. We, have, we hadn't even talked to anybody. Like Dustin and I both, I, I maybe said hello and had a couple conversations, but you know what I said to him? I said, man, it's just encouraging to hear voices, isn't it? And it's just encouraging to see each other. It's just encouraging. You hear the singing. Uh, I don't know, but how many of you probably today, you sang out a little bit more than you normally would? Troy was singing out more than he normally would. I've heard Troy sing. You know what? Listen, there was, there was, more, there was more of that. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. Man, during that singing time, we saw some tears coming down. I'm sitting down here thinking to myself, man, I can't wait till we pack this place out. I can't wait till we have everyone back. Well, why is that so encouraging? Well, there's strength in numbers. Numbers are encouraging. You look at this today, we begin to realize when we're around other people of God, and of course, uh, while we know things have been different and we kind of think about meeting together and strength in numbers and that, but when, when the people of God are walking together in unity, that's a strengthening impact in a believer's life. We begin to realize that we're not alone. Isn't it good to know, I mean, you think about this, when you're going through a challenging time and a believer comes up to you and says, hey, how can I pray for you? A believer says, hey, what can I do to encourage you? You get a text message saying, I'm thinking about you today. What does that do? Man, that encourages us. Why? Because we realize I'm not doing this by myself. 
I'm not fighting this battle on my own. But let's take this a step further. When God's people are together in unity and for the same cause, we find strength through the encouragement that each other can bring and can offer. And we need to understand this is a biblical principle that's taught. You can go to Ecclesiastes and see this. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, man, if one falls, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, uh, when they, uh, then they have heat. But how can, they be, how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What is this teaching? What is he teaching in Ecclesiastes? Hey, there is strength in numbers. Can I give you this thought? The people of God are better together. Why? Because we receive a common strength. It is strengthening to be united with and around the people of God. I don't know about you, but if we were to end right after the song service this morning and say, all right, time to go home, I was encouraged. I, I don't know if you noticed, but Brian up here, when he's singing How Great Thou Art, going right into it, started to get choked up. Uh, I know Brian was encouraged this morning. Well, why? Strength in numbers. I don't know why he wasn't encouraged when it's just a few of us and I'm singing on the front row. I need to take that up with you, Brian. And now I'm beginning to really think about this. You know what? The fact is that there's strength in numbers because when the people of God are together, man, there's a common strength. I see today that when God's people are together in unity, it provides a common strength. When God's people are together, it's better. Why? Because we have a common enemy, a common cause, a common strength. But last today, there's a common victory. A common victory. Notice a couple verses. 1 Samuel 11, verse 13, it says this. For today... This is Saul speaking. Today the Lord hath wrought or brought salvation in Israel. Now the word salvation here is just victory. God has brought great victory. We've been saved from the Ammonites and it was all God. I love verse number 15 at the very end. They're back in Gibeah and what takes place? We find that Saul and all the men of Israel are rejoicing greatly. Why are they rejoicing? Oh, they're rejoicing because God gave them victory. Can I just tell you this morning that in Saul's life, it was awesome. It was awesome when he stepped up and said, hey, if you guys don't come out, we're next. And the people of God rallied and said, all right, common enemy, common cause, the name of the Lord. Man, strength, strength in numbers. Let's go, let's fight. And then do you know what happened? God showed up. God showed up. Don't ever read this passage and think, hey, we have a great victory. That's what the people thought. Do you see what they did? And we, we won't go back and read it, but the people, they came to Saul and they said, hey, where are the enemies of Saul? They came to Samuel. Where are the enemies of Saul? Remember when, when we were gonna choose Saul to be king and, and uh, we were gonna set him up? Where are the guys that were against it? Let's kill them all. And Saul steps up. That's what's interesting to me. Samuel didn't say anything. Saul steps up and says, hey, no one's gonna die today. I didn't do this. The Lord brought victory. You know what? When God's people are better together, God can work in ways that we could never imagine. I'm thinking right now about our church. I think about our church and maybe a big Sunday. I know we were all super bummed to have to do Easter online. But you know what? Easter online, we still saw more people engaged in our service than we ever have before. But I look back even to like maybe a an open house Sunday, our community Sunday that we do in our fall every year. And we got community Sunday coming up this fall. And I'm excited about this fall because we'll be back together. Lord willing, everything, we'll just, 
We're just planning on it, all right? But anyway, you know what? This, this fall, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna have our end of the city outreaches. Do you know when those end of the city out, outreaches really work? When everybody gets involved. And when everybody gets involved, we can come together on like a, on a, a community Sunday or an Easter Sunday, having passed out thousands of invitations and liked and shared all the stuff online and talked to our neighbors and reached out to the bus workers and the police officers and the firefighters and the healthcare workers. We do all these outreaches together. On that day, community Sunday, regardless of what happens, usually the whole church is rejoicing. Why? Because when we come together, we're better together because it's a common victory. Better together because it's like, man, God has showed up. God has done something good. I want to tell you this morning, you can think about it and understand that in every single one of our lives, in every single one of our lives, if victory comes, it is God who did it. But it's great to celebrate with other people. I love sports. I'm bummed about March Madness getting, my team was going to win this year. One of my teams, one of my 64 teams was going to win this year. I love sports, and all of you know I'm a Broncos fan. I love watching football. You know what? I love watching football anytime. But when I can watch it with someone else and there's a victory, I'm excited, more excited. Why? We celebrate together. Man, we sell my dad and I watching a Broncos game, unless they're playing the Seahawks, then he's rooting for Seattle. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, we're, we're, if we're watching the Broncos play somebody, man, we're cheering together. And if the Broncos win, man, yeah, high five and we're excited. Why? Because celebrations are better together. It's the same in the Christian life. And when you get victory in the Christian life, if you're alone, it's kind of like, yay. But when you see a church get victory or a group of believers gain victory, Man, it's better. Why? Because we're experiencing it together. And the truth is that God desired for his people to experience victory and to be able to celebrate it. He wanted that. He wanted them to be able to do that. And so God worked and helped them understand, hey, things work better when we're together. As we come this morning really just to the end of the message and the thought, the the one simple truth I wanna bring out today is just that quote, that statement. God's people are better together. Why? There's a common enemy, common cause, common strength, and a common victory. Now, here's what I wanna say today, and I wanna wanna wrap this up by giving you three thoughts, three simple truths. Number one, I I want you to be challenged in one of these three ways. Number one, don't make yourself an island unto yourself. Don't be the Christian that says, I've got this. I can handle it. I don't need other believers. I don't need the church. I don't need, don't be that person. Why, you know what you're doing? You're just setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up to be an easy prey. Don't do it. Maybe you, maybe you might be facing some things in your life and you feel defeated. You feel like you've already been Jabesh Gilead with the right eye plucked out. And you're like, where is anybody? Listen, does anybody know you're struggling? Does anybody know there's a fight going on? Sometimes, you know, the best thing, you know, you know what Jabesh Gilead did that was well? They knew, I need help. You know sometimes why, why Christians fall right away? is because they don't ever reach out for help. Now, I'm not talking about reaching out and help by going online and looking somebody up or Facebooking. I have this problem. I need everybody to solve this. No, find, find somebody godly in your life and say, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. I need some help. Would you pray for me? 
Go to a friend or a spouse or, or, or just a, a coworker or somebody that you know that knows the Lord and walks with God and just reach out to him. Hey, would you just be an encouragement to me in this? Don't make yourself an island unto yourself. Number two, if you see, if you see a Jabesh Gilead, you see somebody who's kind of struggling, you need to help them to know they're not alone. Help them to realize, hey, the enemy is out to get you. The cause of the Lord is at stake. There is strength in numbers. You don't have to do this alone. And victory is right around the corner. So don't fight this on your own. Number one, don't make yourself an island unto yourself. Number two, if you see somebody who is a Jabesh Gilead, be the strengthener in their life. Be the Christian that reaches out to them and says, hey, I wanna help you. But then number three today, maybe you're here or you're watching online and you don't know that you have the support of other believers because you're not a believer. You've never trusted Christ as your savior. I wanna ask everybody to think about that question. Do you know Christ as your savior? Do you know that Jesus is in your life? Has there been a time in your life when you put your faith and your trust completely in him? If you're here this morning or if you're watching online and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I wanna tell you today needs to be the day. Jesus loves you. He gave his life and he died on the cross for you. And if you were the only person, Jesus still would have died. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead to prove that he was God, to prove that he can be trusted, to prove that you can put your faith in him. And so today, if you're here or you're watching online, you've never put your faith in Jesus, all it is is a simple decision to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life and save you. You can pray something like this, dear God, I know I've sinned against you and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and be my savior. I believe that Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again just for me. That's just putting your faith in Christ. Now today, if you do know Jesus as your savior, Remember those three thoughts, those two thoughts, really. Don't make yourself an island unto yourself. You're not alone in this. Number two, if you know somebody who's a Jabesh Gilead, and let's reach out to them. The last thought I would give us today is, let's be thankful that God didn't leave us alone. Man, maybe today's a day where we just say, Lord, thank you. Thanks for making it clear that we're better together. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.